0: Welcome to NetFront Presence in the post-pandemic pause edition. I'm Jeff Gordon of the Post Spats, joined by the Blues beat reporters Jim Thomas and Tom Timberman. Well, uh, JT, uh, right off the bat, the the Blues come out of the pause with a nice game. They beat the Oilers at their own game.
1: Yeah, they sure did. The fans had a good time. Seventh sellout of the season. COVID smoked. We're going to a hockey game and drinking some beer and watching some hockey and uh you know the first period uh what we had three goals and not even eight minutes ago okay pond hockey this is going to be one of those seven to six games but it settled into a pretty good game and uh it was a it was a very nice victory for the blues especially when you consider not only did they have the 10 game gap between uh between games but they had all those players returning uh that had been out even longer you know uh uh, I, I'm sure uh, uh, your heart was warmed to see uh, number 37 out there, Clemmy Costin. Fir- first game since before Thanksgiving for him, and a lot of other guys had been out for a while. But it sure it sure didn't look like it. That that was a pretty uh, smartly played game.
2: It probably helped for the Blues having those guys come back in that game because the Perrons and Kairos and Thomases and even the Jake Walms were had to be you know pumped to get out there because it had been so long. So that was probably good on feeding energy uh, into the rest of the team because, I mean, some, you know, Piranha hadn't played in a month. So it was a, you know, they must've been pretty excited to get out there. And so they, and they pretty much did what they were supposed to do. Funny thing about the blues. I mean, they've
0: had a defensive minded team over the years, but they've had particular success against uh, Connor McDavid um, when they play him here in the, uh, the SDL. In particular, but, you know, he, he gets one nice assist on a, on a nice uh, nearly scored, then followed up and got a nice assist. Dreisaitl, another monster, co-scoring leader, he scores a nice goal. But, you know, you can't stop him, but they contained him, JT. And it's, uh you know, shout out to Ryan O'Reilly coming out of the, the pandemic pause and <laughs> Colton Frako and, and, and my boy Nico. Uh, those guys had their hands full, but they, for the most part, kept kept the big guns under control.
1: Yeah, and uh, really in recent years the uh, the Blues have had pretty good pretty good success against uh, Edmonton. And I and this is an oversimplification, but I but I always look at this game uh, when these two teams play It's kind of a clash of philosophies. You know, you have the the superstar system with Edmonton, and then you have uh, Doug Armstrong and his. I, I want to collect as many good to really good players as I can. And uh, almost symbolically, Kyrou scores his 10th goal. That gives uh, that gave the, uh, the Blues five 10-goal scorers already this year, which is tied for the league lead with the Colorado Avalanche. So uh, on this night, anyway, you know, chalk one up for the uh, – uh, forget the superstars. Give me a lot of good to really good players.
2: Yeah, they, they kept uh, – they stayed out of the penalty box for the most part, except for Toropchenko, who must have missed the team meeting. Yesterday, we well, didn't get in until about three o'clock. So he did uh, miss it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, they, they only had one Edmonton, only one power play. And, you know, that's the one thing you don't want to do is put Edmonton on the power play. And they limited that and they shut him down on the one chance they got on that. And so, uh, and that was at a time in the game when, you know, things could start getting dicey and they, they kept him in line uh, there. And that was that was a big step. But yeah, holding Edmonton to, to two goals is, uh, is, as significant an accomplishment as anything from yesterday. And JT uh, boy, Jordan, Cairo,
0: Robert Thomas, they're back. And, and they're back flying a very impressive return to action. They did. They did not look rusty. Uh, the extra time couldn't have hurt, you know, those guys getting prepared for this game.
1: Who did uh, Cairo uh, uh, fake out of his uh, skates? Uh some summer curve uh, I think it was, yeah. his might've been his first NHL game. And uh, I think the kid is scarred for life because uh, Lou uh, Korak and Tommy were paying attention to the shift chart. What, Tommy, he got one shift? Uh, 28 seconds he, of ice time.
2: Uh,
1: after that. So welcome to the big leagues. But, yeah, you know, you could tell Baruby was concerned getting all these players back. It's It was kind of a – he was worried about uh, will they be able to play the gritty style, the uh, physical style, the defensively responsible style that all the Springfield – call did he? Uh, he actually made, made an objection to my point that this was maybe uh the most skilled team that the blues have had in uh quite a few years but you know what a little skill never hurts uh and uh, i think that was pretty much on uh on display you know thomas was uh, he was among the league assist leaders when he left he was he was on a point of game pace in his last uh uh like 13 games before he went out with his uh, lower body issue and uh you know, yeah, it's, it's like he never left.
2: Yeah, there's nothing wrong with having, uh, you know, a Nathan Walker type player with finishing ability, or with the moves that Kairu has the passing that Thomas has. And so if they can play, you know, they don't need to play quite the same game as Nathan Walker, but they have to play a Walker esque game, uh, you know, what they are missing from not having Dakota Joshua, or something they need to get that Uh, in there and and they got a lot of it now sustaining this of course is going to be the challenge because jordan kairu is going to jordan Cairo, and he's going to do is you know he's going to start going east west more than north south and they got to keep Cairo uh going north south that's that's what berube is going to be looking for and that's what they need to have happen Well, another huge positive uh vladimir
0: tersenko did not cool off during the pandemic pause uh he was tearing it up with his russian buddies before the pause uh neither barbershev or bushhnevitch able to were available for this game so he just but he just keeps going and guys are uh, one one timers one timers
1: <laughs> jt did you get to him <laughs> no i i, I know uh, others have uh during the off season even have worked on him on the uh, on uh uh, getting some uh, uh, one-timers. Yeah, who needs the rest of the Russians, says, says Vladdy. I, uh, I'll be just fine with these two guys. And, you know, Teresenko has always enjoyed playing with Thomas. So, although he, he, I'm sure he missed not having Ivan Barbashev in the, in the lineup and uh, for, for a variety of reasons, uh, he, he's not going to complain about having uh, Thomas in there uh, with him. But, uh, yeah, w- what a season uh, terasenko is uh, putting together as, as we approach uh, the, the 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 midseason part of uh, of the campaign. Yeah, I was just looking at the heat chart for him and the, the stuff he creates, and it's
2: it's not in front of the net. I mean, it's still more on the perimeter, not not way out on the perimeter, but into the circles and not in not in the slot and right in front. So while they wanted, you know, while they preached, got to go to the net, that's not where the offense he's generating, at least personally, uh, has been for him. But He's making it work. I mean, the, the shot not as good, but we see can still see it at times. Um, but and he's the only guy that's been healthy. He's the only forward to have played in every game now. Um, and you know who saw that one coming into this season. So uh, these he's helped out in a lot of ways.
0: Well, JT, one positive, although you know he's he, you know he's not exactly um, Dave Anderchuk when it comes to his uh, the, to the heat chart. Um, he He's skating skating well. And this team uh, in a game where there was a lot of room to skate off the rush against the Oilers. He certainly enjoyed that. He got a little jump in a step and uh, boy, another, you know, another aspect to him. I mean, clearly he's, he, he was motivated. I, I love his remarks about the Olympics. I think that had to be part of his, his motivation coming into this year besides trying to get relocated. If that's still his goal, uh, his next contract, but the Olympics obviously a big deal to 91 and, he came in ready to play this year, and he stayed ready to play.
1: Yeah, and and and, he, and he's had a great attitude. Uh, you know, we've seen him smile more than he ever has, and uh, I, I think a couple of reasons for that. One, you know, he probably – uh, uh and, and maybe he had a talk with his agent about, you know, you, you don't need to be grumpy Gus here after everything that happened in the offseason. Just smile, try to say the right things. One thing about Vladdy, though, he he's usually says what's on his mind. But but very, very happy that that the happy warrior uh, uh, this season uh, the, the the fans uh, uh, the fans love him Vladdy why go why want to go I, I I I can't see it getting any better than here you know uh, the fans adore him and uh, uh he likes the adulation he loves to bask in the adulation I mean when they interviewed him uh, Darren Pang interviewed him uh, as a number one star after the game and you, you could not hear half the answers because the crowd was just uh, uh, drown, drowning it out with miscellaneous cheers. Uh, uh, Tarasenko lives for that, and uh, uh, it's uh, it's all good right now. Yeah, you know the irony, or is that even if
2: Tarasenko wanted to stay, just the contractual situation makes it still likely that he's going to get dealt because he's going to be a UFA after next season, and this is a, you're going to be approaching a time this year where the maximum return on him is going to be. So, and you know he's not resigning with this team. I mean, that would be the the shocker of all shockers if his next contract is with the Blues. So it's going to be a decision uh, for uh, for Doug Armstrong um, because if he starts next season with the Blues, you know that's the, your your trade value for him has dropped substantially. So, but right now they they can't do without him. I mean, I don't know what this team is like right now without Vladimir Tarasenko. Well, the. Uh,
0: the skill levels are certainly impressive. <laughs> I don't know if we'll ever see all the players in there at the same time, but uh, getting David Perron back in the mix and uh, certainly made his presence felt on the power play, it's going to take him a bit. I'm sure it even strengthen. preferably, not having to play a lot against McDavid would would help that. Um, but, yeah, David Perron back, firing the puck, and, uh, you know, you've, you just make sure, appreciate, this is the fact these guys racked up so many points with so many good players missing, when you see them back on the ice doing the things they do,
1: yeah, and I uh, I think it might have been Sunday at Centene. We were behind the behind the net at the team uh, practice rink, and uh, you forget how hard of a shot, how quick of a shot Perron has. I mean, it it it, it it's a rocket, and uh, uh, so to have that back, and uh, you know. Perron, after a very fast start, even before the injuries, he he, he slumped uh, O'Reilly and Shen haven't had the uh, production, obviously O'Reilly with the COVID and took him a while to get off of it. Shen with the cracked ribs. And uh, uh, once he started to get over that injury, had, had another injury. But, you know, it's almost like a baseball lineup in any season. There might be one or two guys that have career years. There might be one or two guys that have have slumps and 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 have bad years, and that that's kind of how it is with a hockey lineup. But man, if the if the Blues, I call them the old reliables. If they get the old reliables going, Perron, O'Reilly, and Shen combined with what the Russians are doing, and and Saad, and Kairu, and Thomas. I mean, my goodness, uh, uh, it, it's going to be something to see. And but but as you mentioned, Jeff, we we may never see that that whole lineup uh, out there all season. We we haven't. I mean, there was the uh, uh what was it the detroit game when shen came back at detroit and it looked like finally the entire roster at their disposal and then james neal uh tweaked something at the morning skate and uh, that was as close as they got and then and and we may never we may never see that point this year where the entire roster is at craig berube's disposal i don't know how they plan anything lineup wise but Janevich apparently was very late in the day when uh uh, they found out that uh, he wasn't going to be able to go with a fever and some non-COVID illness. I mean, why even write a lineup out on the grease board? Just wait till like, you know, 10 minutes before they're going out for the, for the pregame skate and say, okay, this is what we're going to do, fellas. Yeah. The return of Perron is
2: going to bring back the question of when do they re-sign him? Uh, he's a UFA after this season. Uh, how much do they need to see? I think, okay, we can, what can we give him for next year? Because you even though Perun has only signed contracts with the blues over the course of his career, you you don't want this guy going to free agency, but what does that deal look like? Uh, How many years is it for? And that's going to have to be sorted out uh, in the near future as well. Well, when you look at the
0: possibilities that Liz JT was talking about, uh, let's just say that you, you keep the Russians together, which allows you to play Ivan Barbashev up in the lineup. Um, You've got the O'Reilly and uh, Perron combination. And then you've got a, a very, I think a very exciting possibility with Thomas and Cairo with the right third person. Um, of course, you've got Sodden and, and uh, to, uh, to consider as, as well as Shell. Okay. So those are your top, that's a great top nine. However you sort that out, keeping the Russians together, keeping those other two tandems together, probably sheltering Thomas and Cairo in that mix. Uh, and, and the third person, and, uh, and then it leaves you a myriad options for your fourth group, you know, which is, is again, is going to have a little bit of punch to it. It can either be really have a lot of size and, 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 and hitting ability or could have some more craftiness, depending on if, if Bozak's in that mix. So uh, potentially, you start looking at that, particularly with the development with the Russians being able to play together and thus promoting Barberchev to a new level, uh, and at the same time, Thomas and Cairo breaking out, And you've, oh, by the way, Buchnevich is turns out to be maybe a more complete offensive player than maybe the Rangers could figure out. I, man. And then Vladdy coming back to life and you just go down the list. It's impressive.
1: Yeah. And uh, I, I think, I think Baruby likes sod with uh, O'Reilly and Perron and he's a, he's a two-way player, but he gets to the net, as we saw with his uh, power play goal, 16 seconds into the third period uh, last night. And and so he 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 likes that, and and you know Shen has had success with Cairo before. Plus, you know you had Shen, who's very good defensively, two hundred foot player. The, the the thing is, uh, does Shen would he have staying power if he was playing a wing? I don't know. Maybe you could you could kind of interchange him with Thomas that line on the and you see that a lot. You see it with Sunquist and Barbashev, but uh, yeah, you you talk about a a top nine. And they will be close. We, you know, we, you know, I just mentioned about how they, they, they don't have, uh, uh they've never had their, uh, full lineup and never will, but they'll, they'll come close. I, I would be surprised if Sunquist and Shen, uh, aren't back, uh, for the, uh, the winter classic. And, uh, so you can, you, you your fourth line, I mean, you, you put Sunquist on your fourth line and no matter who's around him, you're, you're in pretty good, uh, uh, pretty good shape, uh, there, uh, even with this five-day uh, quarantine time now, you, you've still got a you still got to test negative uh, twice, and so it's not a guarantee that these guys are back. And it's a tricky thing because remember, <coughs> excuse me, a lot of times you will show up even after the ten days, you'll show up testing positive. That's that's why these players aren't tested for ninety days after they they're they're uh, they're they're on the uh, uh, COVID list. So. Uh, It's not uh, necessarily uh, even though that this five day uh, quarantine time has started, it's, it's not necessarily going to be a, uh, be a thing where the the players can take advantage of it all that much. Although I did find out last night, James Neal, a little bit different case. The reason he was back on the ice, he got two negative tests like back to back. So you're clear to go back on the ice.
2: I have long maintained that this team is at its best when Oscar Sundquist is on the fourth line and they're, that is a scenario that we could see uh, soon because that that gives that line depth and it it is it just livens up the whole offense because it also means you got all your best players, all the skilled players up top. So you know, does it does it happen? You know, it's it's almost like you know who's who's the next one. You know, okay, buchnevich has gotten sick. That's a short term one. Who's who's next in line? And um, you know, it uh, that's it seems like that's how it is for this team. Someone's going to get hurt. Um, or how long can they extend the time without getting hurt? But um,
1: they may be in a place to enjoy this while it lasts. Yeah, well, Jeff, to- uh, the, one thing about the testing, though, they've had 14 guys that have tested positive that do not have to be tested for 90 days. So Brandon, you know, mathematically, they don't have many guys left to test positive, at least at least right now. Brandon Saad was the first guy, October 21st, uh, to, to get on the COVID list. He doesn't have to be tested again three months out. Till january 21st so covid wise i almost almost hate to say this they're mathematically they should be in pretty good uh, shape at least for a while
0: looking at another positive here um wasn't perfect in the game but there were some nice one-on-one plays for our guy nico he's feeling nico mania jt i mean he's his, his responsibility has grown substantially since the start of the season and uh he's doing more than just looking the part of a blues defense, but he's starting to, you know, step-by-step, step, including some showing some confidence at the other end of the ice, the offensive end, you know, going in deep, pinching in deep, going to the net, trying for deflections. It seems like uh, Nico making big strides.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Playing physically. Uh, Jeff, you've led the parade on Nico. You've always liked him and I'm, I'm kind of late to it. Is there room for the bandwagon? Can I get on there? I'm uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm sold right now. I know it's still small sample size, He's only played a dozen or so games uh with uh, uh Pareco. But uh yeah, if he plays like that, that, that that top four is in is in good shape. There's there's no doubt about that.
2: Yeah, he, he like, on the one goal last last night, he needs to like not stand directly in front of Bennington. That would be one <laughs> suggestion there. Is let let the other team set the screen. Don't <laughs> need to do it personally. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I think we we have seen a, a maturing of Mikela's game here uh, of late. But there obviously still a a long way to go for him. But the the signs are are very promising. Yeah, you know, like like a lot of guys, a lot of guys are getting tested this
0: year across the league. Uh, some some results are better than others. Obviously, the Oilers had a little bit of a rough go with a couple of kids in their lineup on the on the blue line uh, in this past game, but. It's just uh, in, in a way, it's been a, it's been a real benefit because if you look at the big picture JT, they've had to play a lot of guys. They've had to test their uh, their Springfield depth. Those guys passed. They've had to play some young guys. Uh, those guys passed. And uh, other teams are going to continue to go through this, the same problems the Blues have. But the Blues have already banked a bunch of points while shorthanded. And you, as you point out, they're they're more likely than not to have a pretty good lineups going forward. Or maybe some other teams are going to go through what they did and can those other teams rack up points like the blues did because that that those those depth points earned earlier could be huge for the blues.
1: Yeah, yeah and, and just think about it. the last 13 games, the Blues have played nine games with less than 12 forwards and yet they're they're on this roll. I, I don't know, I don't know what the uh, 13 game total, what is it something like nine uh, eight, two and three or so, so, something something like that. To, to be able to have this stretch with a lot of the Springfield call-ups is, uh, is pretty impressive. And, uh, you know, Berube, uh Mr. 200 career wins, uh, uh, he alluded to it last night that uh, they've changed the line so much. I mean, I think, uh, and I, I haven't, I, I don't have my, uh, my uh, notebook here in front of me, but I, I think they're approaching last year's total in terms of number of line combinations, at least in year's you know, your, your, your four lines that you throw out there at the start of the game. They're already 32 games into the season. They're already approaching what they did for 56 games last year where uh, it's reached a point, I think, and naturally players like the continuity of being on the same line, but it's reached the point where they've played with so many combinations of guys that it's not really a big deal. Okay, I got I got him on my left, him on my right. We're, we're going to go out and, 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 and play hockey. I was just looking. The Blues have played eight guys
2: this year who are considered by the NHL to be rookies. Um, none of them have been big point producers. The most points they've gotten is from any of them is six out of Logan Brown. Um, Perunovic still at five, but you know they're they're getting a lot out of these young guys. While they still have thirteen guys who have been like the studs who have played a lot and getting all the points, the contributions they're getting from these guys at the bottom who are the the youngsters is they're, they're holding their own, and they have not gotten worse with those guys out there. Um, and they have, you know, it's still the big names, the big contracts that are carrying the team, but the, the rookies, the young guys have kept them afloat. You know, JT, uh, speaking of the Chief and, and winning 200
0: games at this level, I think the fact that he, he coached in the A uh, is real critical because this is what life is like in the American Hockey League. You never know who you have on any given day the injuries yeah illnesses yeah and oh by the way the parent club at any moment could grab as much as they need from your roster you just never know what you're going to have if you're coaching in the a which he did which he did well so uh he has just been cruising right along under under tough circumstances and uh it does again bring up the point jt uh
1: the chief chief needs to be rewarded yeah he 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 sure does and you know, in, in a way, kind of, you know, knowing how hockey works, I could see where they wanted to wait a little bit. And obviously what happens this season is still, uh, you know, to, to, to be determined. But, yeah, after everything he's faced, what what are you, what are you waiting for? Maybe they want to see him win a playoff round. I mean, the team in the postseason uh, last year and in the Edmonton bubble, you know, a flop. I mean, no, no, no other way to put it. But, my gosh, what, he, what he's done this year – and that, that's a very good point. I never thought about that, about the, the AHL that is how being a coach in the AHL is. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say he's unfazed by it because, uh, the, uh, his zoom call after the uh, morning skate yesterday, it, he, it was kind of those I'm um, grumpy chief and my head's about to explode. You know, Sunquist wasn't in maybe by that point, he knew that Bucinavich might not be able to play because, uh, uh, because of his illness, but, uh, he, he sure has, uh, he sure has role with it he, he's been pretty unflappable for the most part through through all of it. Now you,
2: you look at the AHL transaction wire which is something we do probably more than most people but it seems like almost every day at Springfield there's, there's they're signing someone to a PTO because they, they don't have enough players and so you know the, Kevin McCarthy the GM is just wind is finding you know, whatever free agents are around to fill out the roster at that uh, at that given moment. So um yeah, but the you know the job Barubi on, you know, you wonder, you know, w- one of the, you know, bow, one of the arrows in the GM's uh, quiver is firing the coach if something doesn't go well. And you wonder if that's, you know, does he want to, <laughs> how soon does Doug Armstrong want to resign the guy? You think, gosh, if the team's not going well this season, I, I gotta fire the guy. Um, but now you're at the point where, you know, I don't know what this team, you know, Baruby's not being fired this year. Uh, you know, the team's not going to get into that situation. So, um, yeah, at this point you might as well resign him because he's, you're, you're going to want him back next year and going forward. Yeah. And and by the way, other teams have noticed that he's done a pretty good job too. And there's
0: going to be some <laughs> teams, teams looking to to make a move. Some interim coaches out there doing a pretty good job, but uh, including our, our buddy, Mike Yo, but there are no guarantees for those cats. So, Hey, uh, before we go, we got to talk about the winter classic and uh, JT. It does appear that there will be little to no little to no chance of the ice melting uh, for this winter (laughs) Classic. Uh, but up in the twin cities, Uh, my goodness. Um, Yikes. Uh, Is Jordan Bennington ready? We were talking about before we started with, uh, with Tom on this Um, is uh, Jordan Bennington ready to go out there in this weather. No, I don't, I don't think so. He
1: said he basically has never played outside. He's kind of a suburban kid from Toronto. I'm not going outside to play hockey. (laughs) But first off, I'm glad you mentioned Bennington because I I thought that this was a big game for him because of the Chucky uh, Lindgren mania. And uh, I think Bennington just uh, gave him a little Heisman, a little stiff arm. That's all right, Chuck, sit down. I I, I got this. Uh, Jordan was uh, played very well last night. Some, some tremendous saves. But, yeah, we're about to see the ice bowl of hockey. Uh, this will be the coldest game ever played in the uh, NHL. I don't know what wisdom over, you know, the new TNT contract. Isn't, isn't the winter classic normally played in the afternoon, guys? It's always been in the afternoon. It's been scheduled yes. for the afternoon, and it's gone
2: into the evening at times because they always keep the, the time and flux depending on yeah. weather. Well,
1: I, I think they thought this would be a, would be a good idea. Let's make it a primetime game in Minnesota. In January, well, why, why do you think that's a that's a good idea? So uh, it was funny, uh, last night, Tarasenko, I asked him about playing in the cold. And as Tom pointed out, the dude's from Siberia. The cold probably won't bother him. But he said, oh, uh, the equipment staff will take care of him. I have great faith in them. And I, I thought back to last <laughs> summer. No, oh, let's see. He has faith in someone that works uh, for the Blues. But that that's the new Vladi. But yeah, anyway... It's going to be, uh, it's going to be uh strange and and very cold. And I'm glad I'll be sitting in an enclosed press box. So a year ago, if this had gone off as it was originally scheduled,
2: it was about 20 degrees warmer uh, in uh, Minneapolis, uh, January 1 of 2021. So uh, it is, uh, it is bad timing and it's, you know, it's I don't feel for the the players because they're out there moving as much as it's going to be everybody else who has something to do, you know, the the support staff, the people that got to clean off the ice. We're just going to be standing around out there. Uh, I think there's only so many space heaters they can probably put out there at that point, but there's got a lot of people that have to stand outside, not to mention the fans who are going to be there. Uh, at least they're going to be packed together uh, tightly, but um, you know, there's just a lot of people that are going to be really, really cold. Um, you know, that's, that's going to be rough. and before I, I, I misspoke I, Kevin McDonald, is the GM at Springfield. I, I called him Kevin McCarthy, who's a politician. Uh, so I apologize to Kevin McDonald for, uh, for, for saying that, you know, if this uh, game were held
0: uh, 40 years ago, uh, Bud Grant would show up in a golf shirt to, to watch it <laughs> in, in the stands. Or but, Bill Cower. <laughs> Bill Cower, too, right? <laughs> yeah, I got it. Hey, a last <laughs> thing here on the net front, uh, the uh, NHL, postpones a bunch of games in Canada because they can't sell tickets uh, in the, some of these early January games um, clearly just trying to buy time because the COVID this uh, this variant's not going to go away uh in, in the next 10 days. So I guess JT and, and Tom, I got JT this NHL must just be considering everything, you know, whether it's Canadian teams playing only Canadian teams, moving some games to the U.S. so they could play them, maybe giving some gate to the Canadian owners. I, I would not want to be Gary Bettman right now because the difference in policies between country to country and even state to state and city to city really is creating a complicated mess for the NHL, much worse than what the NBA and the NFL face.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I, I think it's a big mistake to push these games back because if COVID has taught us anything, uh, it's, uh, it can get worse and it, and it usually does get worse. So if, if you've got the game scheduled and, and, and you've got enough guys to play, just, just play the game. I mean, I know they have a cushion in February where they can push some games, but, uh, uh, you know, I think those dates could, could, could fill up pretty, pretty soon, but yeah, it is, it's, it, it's a mess. It, it's a, it's a, it, it's a real problem. And, you know, uh, uh, earlier in the week, we talked to Baruby and Armstrong and actually O'Reilly too, really confident you're going to get 82 games in and, you know, Baruby and, and Armstrong seem pretty confident. O'Reilly, a little, a little bit of doubt there, but, uh, yeah, hang on. It's, it, it's probably only, uh, going to get weirder as we, as we go forward.
2: Yeah. Blue's got three games in Canada coming up between now and February 1st. And, in vancouver in calgary and in montreal and you know we already saw where the nhl flopped A uh, it was montreal boston game and they moved it into boston you know montreal has already come and played in st louis i don't know if that makes that less appealing that you can't just flip those dates uh there so yeah how that goes out i mean you know it, it affects so many things you know and i don't even know you know what building availabilities are like on those dates but it's, it's going to get complicated. But the Canadian teams, as well as the league, need that revenue, and they don't want to start playing games in empty buildings. Uh, and the players don't want it because the, the revenue is part of what goes into their salaries as well. So the players don't want to do it. The owners don't want to do it. The league doesn't want to do it. But the options of getting around it are are limited at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're not going to be able to go and – get every provincial government to change its mind based on the nhl as much as you'd want to and the same goes for some cities and, and uh, states and south of the border so um there i imagine there was not a whole lot of uh, festive cheer at the the bedman household over the holidays because he probably spent a lot of time with spreadsheets and on a constant uh, 24-hour conference call with bill daly trying to sort through this stuff so uh well guys we appreciate the uh, the uh, return to action here in the net front. This is an exciting time. Our heroes are playing well. Um, the ice bowl coming up this weekend. We'll see about what happens after the, in the new year, but for the time being guys, uh, it appears our heroes are, are certainly uh, in good shape. So for Jim Thomas, for Tom Timmerman, we leave our audience in a festive, happy mood as the new year rolls in uh, guys do you want to just throw out some holiday and new year wishes to everyone.
1: Uh, happy New Year!
2: Happy New Year, everyone! Should all acquaintance be forgotten, and never brought to mind. What's uh, and their ho- hockey's being played? What a, you know? That's a lot of people thought when they took that pause at Christmas. It's like, who knows when they're coming back? Well, they came back. It's been, so that's been so. That's that's good news to end the end the year. All right. Well, for
0: for Jim, for Tom, for, I'm Jeff. Until next time. See you.